Hello, everybody, on this President's Day. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher for another episode of the Garden State of Hockey podcast. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Yeah, you love that one, didn't you? Are, are, <laughs> are, are we especially excited today because we might actually have, for the first time since January 31st, for the first time this month mm-hmm. in 2021 A.D., <laughs> A devil's hockey game. Hold on. 2021 AD, you mean February of 2021 AD? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, It it feels like a brand new year. I mean, it's still slow going or fast going, whatever. The point is we might actually have some new Jersey Devils hockey games this week. Yeah, and after two weeks of uh, games being postponed and that will – surely come back to bite them when they're playing a game every other day for the last three months of the season. But we worry about that when we have to worry about that because the Devils are down to just five names on the COVID protocol list officially and one in practice. Um, One in practice with the team as of this morning based on the beat. So we have just four Devils left after this harrowing experience with COVID-19. The four Devils are as follows. They are Nico Heischer, Travis Zajac, Nikita Gusev, and Dmitry Kulikov, with Nate Bastian being on the list, but he's at practice this morning, so he must be, um, you know, coming off the list in any number of hours here. Yeah, the list gets uh, publicly posted through the media at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. every day, so yeah, you can put money on Bastian coming off the list. Um, yeah, so what that means is that the Devils should have enough players, if you include their taxi squad, mm-hmm. to play a proper game of New Jersey Devils hockey. Now, whether or not that will be a good game of Devils hockey, um, that's a different question entirely because they have been idle for two weeks and uh, it was already the start of the season to begin with. So you still had some rust coming off the proverbial skates. Um, Tomorrow night's game, should it happen, um, we'll probably have more rust, but hey, with lots of games having to be played in such uh, close quarters of each other, it will come off. Very yeah, quickly. they should have no problem shaking the rust off. And again, you know, there's the consideration of rust and not having played a game for a while, but also what are going to be the lingering effects of COVID-19 on the players that were afflicted with it? Because we're still not sure which players confirmed tested positive and which players were on the COVID list for an extended period of time because they were close contacts with the players that did. It's evident that some players did because I can't imagine it would have been this widespread of a case if no one had, on the team had actually had it. It was just a contact of, of the teams. But it seems that um, it is something that's more substantial. And it's, you know, first things first, how does this affect them as human beings and their ability to play a very physically demanding sport after, you know, an illness that is notorious for draining you of energy? Exactly. And among those I'm most concerned about, it's actually one of the players that's still on the Mm -hmm. list that wouldn't be playing presumably tomorrow. And that's Travis Zajac. Mm -hmm. Um, He's one of the older players on the roster. I believe he is the oldest player on the roster at 35. And he has been on this list, uh, assuming he doesn't come off magically today, uh, for 17 days, which is actually longer than what most people are um, quarantining for or are out due to coronavirus, which is usually rule of thumb is about 14 days. He's heading into week number three with something. Mm -hmm. And um, it's concerning considering that he was the second guy on the list 
um, after Blackwood was put on the list among Devils active players. So um, I hope for his sake and his family's sake that um, he's doing as well as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's unfair to assume that he, if, if we're going to talk, guess who has it? It's probably the guy who's been on the list for over two weeks. Yeah. Uh, in addition to Blackwood at some point, because he was the first guy and he didn't come off until the middle of the first week of this month. And that was roughly 13 days, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I hope that their effects are, their long-term effects are minimal, but I also hope that in the short term that they're managing things okay. Because again, that's the nasty thing about this virus. For some people, it's like having a really bad cold for two weeks. And for some people, it's a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it runs a it runs a gamut of uh, severity. Yeah, so you know, we're hoping that Zajac uh, feels better. We're hoping the other guys that are still on the quarantine list, I mean, there's some important names on there in terms of the Devils early success when you talk about Kulikov when you talk about yes. Zajac himself like he was contributing in a very significant way to the games that the Devils had been winning and performing well in and so they have to kind of bridge that gap and some players have to step up but the Devils do get a boost in the name of Sammy Votnin finally being able to join the team for the first time this year poor Sammy Votnin his <laughs> His, the Finnish embassy was not as kind to him as the Swedish embassy was to Mr. Bratt. And, uh, of course, just when he finally gets to clear uh, protocol, <laughs> the, the team has an outbreak and can't play for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, credit to Vatnin um, for being patient, mostly because he had to be. He had no choice. But uh, he's finally here. And with Kulikov still on the list, I would presume he's probably not going to play tomorrow night. And maybe not even Thursday. So it's actually a nice spot for Vatnin to just kind of jump into the lineup right away. Not so nice to Will Butcher, who still has yet to play a single game for the team. This yeah, this season. is bizarre at this point. It is. I mean, it's one thing to say, Carrick, eh, you're not that good. You know, he was he was always a marginal player. But Butcher has was good. Yeah, he had a bat, not a good season last season, but so did the majority of the team. You can't say that and Matt Tennyson had a good in. season, you know. No, exactly. So... You know, but it is what it is, <laughs> and I guess there's some normalcy to be talking about roster beefs as opposed to COVID concerns about the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Vatnin being pre- being able to practice is a positive sign, and he could very well make his uh, New Jersey re-debut uh, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. The return of Sammy Vatnin, it, it just it comes at a time where they really need him. Um, because of all these, you know, concerns and the remaining players on the list. But interesting that Heischer was added to that list, considering, you know, you had to figure that it's someone at the facility then, since he hasn't really seen the ice. A lot of the cases that seem to um, spread around the league stem from, and when I say around the league, around the East, it spread from the combination of the Devils-Flyers game that Thursday and the Devils-Sabres series that weekend. And so, you know... If everything stems from there, then I'm not sure how he sure managed to find himself onto it unless he has to be there and it means he's close to returning. But again, it just doesn't feel useful to speculate considering the timeline of this injury has been, in a word, completely nonsensical. Not only nonsensical, but it's very disappointing that the media has not uh, pressed on this. This has uh, the air of the 2019 saga with Taylor Mm -hmm. Hall where – the, the beat reporters and the local reporters were all fine just repeating the party line from the team saying, oh, it's day to day, it's day to day. And then uh, I believe it was John Shannon of Sportsnet who came in and said, oh, yeah, he has a broken leg. Mm-hmm. 
he's out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like, bro, how did, how did the national report? I understand Sportsnet's a big deal in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and I understand they take hockey very seriously. They have serious insiders and so on and so forth. No disrespect intended to the Sportsnet uh, reporters. But how does the a media national media guy in Canada have the scoop over the local guys who cover the team on a day-to-day basis and presumably talk to Ray Shero and talk to Tom Fitzgerald and talk to the coach who is John Hines at the time. And, you know, or even talk to Taylor Hall directly, <laughs> you know, presumably somebody has got to have this. So the fact that he sure, you know, returned to America fairly early in this process, he returned in December mm-hmm. and it was thought that, Oh, he was going to work, try to work hard to get, be ready for opening night. That was literally a month ago now, yeah. and we don't know when he's going to return. So I don't know if that meant there was a setback with the injury or he managed to get into contact tracing, and therefore he's a COVID risk, or worst-case scenario, he picked up the coronavirus from somewhere, where it's whether it's the team facilities or his local supermarket. Who knows? Right. Um, it, just as he's getting his foot back together or his leg back together or whatever the injury may actually be. It's concerning, Dan. He- it's very concerning. And not like, here's what I don't understand. Like, usually injuries are obfuscated because you don't want to hurt. Like, if people are going to show up to watch specific players, you don't want to hurt your ticket sales. Okay, whatever. Fine. However, you're not selling any tickets this year. Who does it benefit to obfuscate this injury except, you know, all, all that I can see is that it serves the purpose of annoying the beat writers and the coaches that people have to keep asking. So I don't know, like, if you just give an injury with a timeline that makes more sense than just, oh, he might be ready opening night and here we are February 15th and he's still not ready. Like, I don't know who the benefits to obscure that. Exactly. I mean, I, I hate to use this, Dan, but it could be traditional at this well, point. Well, yeah, because like, the Devils are known know, for in this. In hockey, not only the Devils, but hockey in general, you know. I mean, a guy, you know, there's the old joke of, like, an upper body injury could mean anything from, you know, he has a bruised rib to, you know, he's missing a torso. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know, this isn't like the NFL where they are so in the opposite direction where they report on every possibility of every possible boo-boo and uh, scrape and scratch that a player may have. Yeah, yeah. Bruce uh, not, toe. Not to denigrate. And, yeah, exactly. Bruce toe. Now, again, I'm not trying to denigrate football players. They're probably the toughest athletes on earth. I'm not going to argue otherwise. And they play through a ton of pain. Um, and some of them are just ridiculous. I, I'm trying to remember the player who goodness voluntarily severed a finger so he could keep playing in a oh game my God. <laughs> uh you know some of these guys are really into the commitment to team uh almost to a fault but nevertheless what i'm trying to say is that that's the opposite direction hockey has traditionally been in the the other end of the spectrum where it's like i ain't telling you nothing yeah he's got an injury what you want some information i ain't gonna give you information <laughs> you, you 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 figure it out eh you, you watch the tape and figure it out. I ain't, I ain't a doctor. I ain't telling you. Uh, I, they don't talk like that. Exactly. I mean, th- pretend I had a Canadian accent there instead of a wise guy accent. But the fact of the matter is this. You're absolutely right, Dan. I don't get it other than the fact that maybe this is just we've always done it this way. So why should we change? Mm-hmm. Now? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it seems just kind of silly and like. I, I don't think the team is too distracted by it. I think they've kind of just, you know, understood the situation, know that they have to carry on without him. But I just, you know, like, 
immediately people are going to stop asking if you tell us it's a more serious injury than the alleged recovery time. No one will ask that question again. So I just don't exactly. really understand what the delay is here. Um, and, you know, hopefully they have some better fortune with his recovery than they did Hall's because there just seemed to be constant setbacks happening there. And I hope that's not what's happening here. I hope the situation isn't that he was actually ready to go opening night but he experienced a setback very close to it. That could be a bigger issue than he's still recovering from this same injury and was not really that close. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's something where you would love to have the Devils be a lot more open about it because, again, there would be a lot less concern about it. The difference between Heischer and Hall in this case is that Heischer's locked up for the next six seasons after this. So, you know, whereas Hall was lit- literally, you know, getting close to that magical UFA status. Mm-hmm. Um which this, which made him decide to take his talents to Buffalo in the interest of winning when he hit free agency for the first time. Granted, this past year's offseason was a bit different than well, usual, yeah. so I, I shouldn't be so snarky, but I will be because I'm a hockey player. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's what you do. That's what we do. And, um, you know, there's, you know, let's move off of Heischer because there's some players to talk about. I wonder how the pause affects certain players on this team. I wonder how it's going to affect Hughes, who was doing very, very well uh, before it happened. And now people have had some time to maybe prepare for the new and improved Jack Hughes. But who knows? Maybe um, he also took some lessons from the first nine games to carry on with him. And the one I'm most interested in, I think, is Kyle Palmieri, because there's so much surrounding Kyle Palmieri that... Um, not only is he a trade candidate because of the remaining length of his contract, but he was also in a massive slump before the pause hit, and now he has tried to update his mojo by shaving down his beard. Not entirely, but trimming uh, what was on his face as a, an act of superstitious, um, you know, d- cosmic retribution to try and get goals to go into the net. So hopefully the well opens up for him and it's very important for the Devils that he gets going. It's very important for the Devils that another player, uh, Nikita Gusev, who is on the COVID list and will not be returning most likely against the Rangers tomorrow, um, it's important to them that he gets going too. They can hold their heads above water for only so long. And now that Blackwood's back, it gets a little bit easier to, uh, you know, imagine him stealing some games for them. But again, you don't know how COVID affected him either. Exactly. And I would argue that among the three names you just mentioned, Blackwood's uh, return to form is the most important mm-hmm. because let's be real, as well as Scott Wedgwood and Eric Comrie has played in their spot duties for the Devils, um, the team's goaltending is going to live and die by Mackenzie Blackwood. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're leaning on Wedgwood and Comrie to be NHL level goaltenders, you're crazy. Yep. There's a reason why the Devils picked up Arundel off of waivers after getting Comrie and signing Wedgwood. It's because they didn't have that much faith in either of them as proper one or no, even even number two goaltenders in this league. So, uh, you know, whether or not Blackwood returns to his amazing form or just returns to a, a pretty good form, um, I think is critical for the team to stay competitive because I still think that's the main goal for this season. It's not necessarily to be a playoff team. It's be competitive. Don't end up last. Show some progress towards a better and brighter to 2022. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so, so far so good. It's just that, like, it, it's yeah. it's been strange to assess the state of this team fully because not every important member has been there at the same time. Exactly. I mean, without Heischer, that's a big question mark. In a sense, you could argue the Devils being 4-3-2 and two in their first nine games without Nico Heischer 
is a testament to that maybe the team isn't as junky as we may have feared, you know, back in, say, January. Well, also Blackwood being uh, on the list, too, for most of that time. Exactly. Like, the team was able to get some wins and get some good performances out of Wedgwood and Comrie and some good performances in front of them. Um, You know, it would have been nice if they were able to score some goals against Philadelphia, but, you know, they'll have their chances in March to do that uh, pending rescheduling. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's a testament to that. As as, as much as Palmieri has been in a slump, Gusev has been a a net. He's almost reverted to his form from the start of last season, which is bad. Um, the fact that the goaltending is questionably talented after uh, Blackwood, and yet the team has been a positive team in five on five. It's been competitive in almost all the games they've played in so far. And, you know, they, you know, they're not an easy out. I mean, we'll see if that's the case if and when they get to their March schedule, when they get to play Washington like six times <laughs> out of eight against them. <laughs> in like two and weeks. And they get to play Boston more times and. You know, and the schedule gets really, really compact. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But for the most part, you know, a lot of good things have happened among the younger players. A number of a number of turnarounds from guys like Janssen, and uh, when you compare him to last season, Severson especially, uh, and Wood, mm-hmm. um, they have been re- revelations in that sense. And even some of the other veterans that we've killed on this prod- podcast in the past, like PK Subban, it hasn't been nearly as bad as he was last season either when you look at the full length of his season so far so you know that's why uh, you know in a sense it's important for palmary and gusev and uh to get going so this way they can keep the good times rolling instead of hoping and praying that the good times the devils have already enjoyed uh you know how they've done that main is, is maintained mm-hmm. but i will still stand that blackwood is the critical piece of those three in terms of please be okay after coming off of the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. I mean, for him, the concern is more long-term since we know he'll be a member of the Devils for uh, a while moving forward. It's Palmieri and Gusev, in terms of upping their productivity, not only does that help the Devils in the short term, but it also may help boost their trade value because those are the two most likely candidates for a trade. Like, you know, Zajac is Zajac, but I don't think he's going to be a uh, big trade candidate unless, you know, if he continues going the way he has been, um, maybe some teams will take interest. I can think of one in particular on Long Island that might have an interest in him, uh, you know, for reasons. Well, Zajac well, would have to agree to that deal because he has a no trade right. clause okay. and not a modified one like Gusev and uh, Palmieri yeah. does. So Zajac controls his uh, destination. And he may say, eh, I'm 35. Is it really worth up uprooting my family to go to another team to compete? Mm-hmm. Especially if that team on Long Island may not exactly be a playoff team this year. Yeah, and, you know, it's 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 up to him at the end of the day, but really the most important on his end is to feel healthier, and I think with the other guys off the list, except, um, you know, Gusev's still there, but I can't imagine he'll be there much longer. Um, it's time for them to step up and not just build their trade value, but really contribute and make sure that the kids aren't the ones caring because... For a lot of these young players, with the schedule the way it is now after these postponements, this is going to be extremely difficult. Yes, the travel considerations are very different. You don't have to travel as far, especially being members of the East Division. But they have not played this many high-level competitive games in such a short span of time with this, you know, with these amount of stakes. It's something that um, they're going to have to adjust to, and they will have a very, very quick adjustment period that has to happen. Yeah, I mean, 
as my con- my current concern for this week will be the team getting, as, as they say in soccer, getting match fit, you know, getting back into form to play games. Because, again, the rust is going to be real um, tomorrow night. But that rust is going to come off very quickly. But to your point, Dan, you're absolutely right. Like, even the AHLers like McLeod, Bastion, uh, Sharon Govich, who have had weekends of playing three games in a mm-hmm. row, you know, they've had that in their back pocket. Dan- ditto for Quokkan in and uh, – to a much lesser extent because he's not a young guy, Tennyson. Uh, but the reality is, is that there's a world of difference between playing three games Friday, Saturday, Sunday every weekend in the AHL to having to play three to four games every week in the NHL, a far superior, far more talented, far more physical league than the AHL. And um, as we see a lot with younger players, is the big concern is the consistency and the adjustment factor to when um, – things don't always go your way. I mean, when you're winning games and pucks are going in the net, everything feels easier. Mm. You know, what's, what is it going to be like when you hit that slump? What's it going to be like when you lose two games in a row? What is it going to be like when you um, have a game like the devils did again in their second one against Philadelphia, where they did a lot of things right, except score goals. And then they end up losing because they had a bad, you know, 10 minutes against Philadelphia. I mean, you know, it's going to be a test of their mentality as well as the physical aspect, obviously, of having to play so many games in such short order against such a high level of talent. The benefit for the Devils would be that they're not alone in that boat. Their opponents are going to have to deal with the same struggles as well. Um, but I think you're right in that um, it is a concern because a team like, say, Boston or a team like the Islanders, they have enough veteran presence and enough experience in that locker room and on the on the benches to know all right, when this is happening, it's not the end of the world. We don't need to panic. We don't need to turn into Vancouver and, you know, set everything on fire. It's it's fine. Uh-huh. We, we can handle this. For the Devils, we'll see how they are. I, I would like to say that they've shown more resiliency because they have had a number of dramatic wins and comebacks. And, you know, they survived like that opening night against Boston or opening day against Boston, I should uh-huh. say. You know, they got creamed in the first period. It looked like they were going to lose like that game five, nothing. And they ended up, you know, going to a shootout loss. Um, you know, that's that that's a positive sign. We'll see how much of that they have left in them when we are in this talking about this in the middle of March against their seventh game against Washington. And the team is like, you know, trying its best not to be last. We'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, so, you know, we got a lot of um, considerations to think about. In the meantime, there have been some Devils games within the organization, namely uh, featuring the Binghamton Devils, who seem to really like playing more than just 60 minutes of hockey these days. Oh, yeah, they've been <laughs> they've been very good and at the same time very bad about leads. Mm-hmm. Um, they can come back from deficits, but holding leads seems to be an, issue, an early issue. They're a high event team. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Right. I mean, it may be fun to watch at times, but at the same time, as a, if you're a fan or, if, I don't know, the coach of the team, you're probably, you know, sighing, rolling your eyes, uh, groaning, <laughs> maybe having a moan. Um, you're happy that you get to see guys like, you know, uh, Nikita Kotyuk score his first uh, professional mm-hmm. goal. You see Michael Vukojevic score his first professional goal. You just hope it wasn't in a situation where they absolutely positively needed to score that goal. Or you're ending up with a loss. Yeah. Nolan Foote with his first goal as well. That's right. Nolan Foote with his first goal. We even got to see Fabian Zetterlund uh, pull a Ralston and score on a slap shot in a <laughs> oh, right. situation. I'm sure Coach was like, great shot, kid. Never do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will bench you if you try that again. <laughs> 
that's yeah, the classic. Indeed. But um, yeah, they've been, you know, they've been very exciting, and that's all we can hope for from them. It's something that uh, a lot of these names are now names that are within the Devils, like recent draft history which is very good news before it was a lot more i would say signings and a lot of uh you know lingering players who never really had a chance to jump but there's a lot of new names on binghamton this year and yeah some of the you know some of the reason for that is the covid situation with players on the taxi squad who would probably be spending most of their time in binghamton but that being not said, um, not to mention Vukovic, Akutyuk, and Clark, who would normally be in the OHL mm-hmm, right now. Exactly, um, and you know the guys like Maltev and Ball, who have been going back and forth with the taxi squad. Um, they they've been they're more likely to have been in Binghamton for a longer time. But it's nice that they do get to practice with the big team, and then they get to go down and play some competitive games with the Baby Devils without even leaving the same city. So it's it's pretty cool to have that access to the organization, be able to uh, recall people at will. It's it's kind of a really nice uh, situation the Devils find themselves in from that perspective. It is, and I think it'll be one of those things that will help the Devils as they play all these games in a row because the taxi squad isn't just meant for COVID protection. It's also when guys have those minors bump and bruises where – Ideally, you'd like them to take a night off, but, oh, you know, we're playing four games in seven days. We kind of need mm-hmm. you. The taxi squad is there to say, no, well, we got a guy right here. We can have him fill in for a game. Mm-hmm. You know, no big deal. And and the benefit of having guys like Ball and um, Maltsev is that they still are waiver ineligible. So you can freely move them back and forth. It's not a case of where you see with some teams uh, where they're sticking some main players, players that you and I would know. Yeah on the waivers to, just to get them on the, ta- on the taxi squad. And you know, all their fans are holding their breath going, I hope nobody claims them. I hope nobody claims them. I hope nobody claims yeah, them. I mean, for the most yeah. part, if you know, that players on waivers, the team's fan base will be like, okay, I understand why you never want a guy that you like to be claimed, but there's a reason they're going to the taxi squad. Yeah, it, exactly. They're, you know, rosters, like with any roster moves, the coach is not just doing them just for the sake of making a move or proving a point. Or like, like freaking a, out the media for the last you know. Exactly. They're not going, eh, I'm bored today. I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to cause some anxiety in the fan base today because I'm bored. Yeah. Like there's not none of that. It doesn't work that way. No. So a lot of names we've been seeing recently, and there's another trade in the NHL that featured Alex Galchenyuk, who hits his sixth team uh, in his very brief time in the league so far. So. You know, third overall pick uh, didn't really pan out so well, it seems. Or hasn't panned out yet. It's hard to tell because he hasn't been on a team particularly long. But he keeps getting traded, 20, so teams he, keep wanting him. He's 27 years old, Dan. He's got, like, five over 500 games in the NHL. Yeah, but... He's not a young guy. But he's still he, on six he is teams. <laughs> That's a lot yeah, for 27. It is a lot for 27. I will concede that mm-hmm. point, yes. And there's always been that air of not hitting that vaunted potential that he showed with Montreal, which in retrospect, I think they did him a disservice by moving him. And you could almost argue maybe they didn't need to move him, but that's something for the Montreal fans to, you know, educate us about. Yeah. And and speaking um, about but, fans of other teams, by the way, we had to address one little bit of news that we talked about last podcast. Um, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have hired a general manager or rather a general manager and hockey operations tandem, which means that Tom Fitzgerald is not immediately on the market. So everyone can relax. Please exhale. Ron Hextall and Brian Burke will be running the Penguins 
So you can not just exhale, you can just kind of sit back for a while, because those are not the kind of hires you make if you think they're temporary. No, they're, they're definitely not. And, you know, ownership, as I understand it, in Pittsburgh still believes that they're a contending team, which I get it. You know, you still have Malkin and Crosby. Unfortunately, Hextall and Burke are going to find out that their team is capped out. They don't have a lot of picks for the 2021 draft. They're going to be pretty much capped out for next season as well. And Malkin, is, Malkin and Crosby are not who they used to be. Crosby is still, you know, a dangerously scary player that, you know, should keep coaches up at night. But Malkin has definitely starting to show his age. <laughs> maybe they should have kept Galchenyuk. <laughs> maybe they never should have traded him for Zucker. So, you know, it is what it is. But we don't have to worry about Pittsburgh at the moment because the Devils don't see Pittsburgh according to the current schedule until middle of mm. March. Instead, they have three other teams they need to worry about this week. Oh, yes. It's highly likely they will play these three games this week. And who are the three opponents, or rather, uh, what are, who are the three games against, if not three different opponents? They are three different ah. opponents. So, so tomorrow night, heaven willing that this does not become obsolete information after this podcast is posted, mm-hmm. because I would like to have a Dells game for the first time since January 31st. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, will be against our hated rivals in the world's most overrated arena at 7 p.m. Who may be missing Artemi uh, Panarin. Who may be missing Artemi Panarin. However, they will have every reason to want this game, not just because they're in a rivalry situation, but uh, our hated rivals have hit a bit of a downturn um, as of late, and they are the only team in the East with a points percentage below 50 right mm-hmm. now. So they want to stay competitive, you know, going up against a team that hasn't played in literally over two weeks mm-hmm. would probably be a uh, golden opportunity. For yeah, them. It's, a, it's a tough look if you lose that game. On the 18th, the Devils will be shipping up to Boston, Ooh. a team that uh, has lost, as of this recording, only two games in regulation this season. <laughs> Uh, the Devils are responsible for one of their two overtime losses and um, one of their ten wins. Um, <laughs> yeah, Boston is Boston is arguably the best team in the East. I don't see them losing first place in the East. I would argue they're probably that you could make a case that between them, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, maybe Boston might be the best team in the league Vegas. right now. Mm, yeah, you could. Yeah, I can make an argument for Vegas at home. Vegas has been on Vegas an absolute home. tear. At mm-hmm. home, they need show it to me on the road. Okay, okay? Boston is six two and two on the road. They they have proven themselves away from the confines of whatever the Boston Arena is called these days. It's not Boston. It's Gardens. the TD Garden. <laughs> the TD mm-hmm. Gardens. My mistake to the fine people at TD. That's the uh, the Bostonian in me that still lingers. In any case, it will be a tough affair, even if the Devils had no COVID issues, because Boston's a really good yes. team. <laughs> so Thursday is going to be. A, a real measuring stick game. And then on the 20th, the devils will play at the Prudential center for an afternoon game on a Saturday against of all teams, Dan Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be some be chippiness little, there. They're not pleased. They're, they're, they, they might be a little unhappy about this. And, and if I'm and preside, pre- yeah. presuming that we don't have another reschedule in the next 24 to 48 hours, the Devils will be playing Buffalo for three straight games starting on the 20th. They'll play them again the following Tuesday on the 23rd, and then they go up to Buffalo on the 25th. So in addition to the chippiness over the whole, we think you gave us the coronavirus mm-hmm. outbreak thing, mm-hmm. 
there's there there's also a loss to avenge because if you think about it, if the Devils were truly infected on the 31st, the fact is the Devil the, the Sabers lost five three to a team loaded with the coronavirus. <laughs> also, the yeah, <laughs> Which, you know, doesn't feel it good. went through their team, the Sabers. It went to their coach. Like they were yeah. not happy about the handling of that situation. No, the good news is that Buffalo is starting to see improvements in their uh, list as well. Kruger, their head coach, is back at coaching. I believe Taylor Hall is off the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say Darlene is off the list. He might still be on. I think Darlene right is now, still but... on. Okay. Then it was Hall only. But the point is, is that they're starting to see improvements instead of gains to their list, which means good because they're meant to play, you know, tonight, tomorrow, Thursday, and Saturday. Mm. Uh, we'll see if that actually happens. Nevertheless, Saturday's game will have a lot of intrigue. And of course, I, I imagine the NHL will be looking very closely at that one just because of the two teams involved and the whole coronavirus thing. So... 1230 at tw- on the 20th is going to be a time to be had. Yeah. So we'll we'll see the chippiness that happens there because that series on the weekend was already getting pretty uh, pretty testy, if you ask me. But um, looking forward to those games and looking forward to giving you hopefully the first of our biweekly episodes. I mean, we've been, you know, we've definitely set out to post on Friday, but when the Devils have no games, we don't have to recap anything for Friday. So hopefully this week we finally get a case of us uh, recapping a uh, pair of contests that the Devils will participate in. And until that time, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. It means a lot, and uh, we're hoping that the season can continue without any further hitches or cancellations, at least caused by the Devils. Hopefully not, and um, hopefully we have some games to talk about, and even more hopefully, some results. Some so, good ones, yeah. Let's hope for some yeah. good ones. Yeah, I should have clarified <laughs> that. When I say results, I'm taking the soccer approach of, like, I want points on the standings. I don't want, like, here's a result, you lost. Yeah. Like, no, we don't want losses. We want to minimize losses, as, as always. Um, but again, to echo Dan's point, um, I do thank everybody who has continued to read all about the jersey and listen to Gar- the Garden State of Hockey. Uh, through an uns- an unplanned idleness for two plus weeks. So hopefully that's the end of it. Hopefully we will continue to have more Devils games throughout the rest of this uh, compacted season. And hopefully the focus will stay on the hockey, on the Garden State of Hockey. Mm-hmm. All right. All that being said, let's uh, brace for the upcoming week of games. And thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll have an episode to you on fr- – listen – our, from our end, we'll have an episode for you on Friday. It's just a matter of will there be things to talk about to have an episode on Friday. And we're hoping that this is the first week in a few where that's entirely possible. So thanks for listening again. Let's go Devils and beat the Rangers tomorrow. Hopefully beat the Rangers. Go Devils. Go Devils.